0: To the Footy Museum podcast. I'm Maria Van Dyken Lee and I am joined by co director of the Footy Museum, Justin Witte. Hi, Justin. (laughs) Hey,
1: Maria, how are you doing?
0: I'm fine. (laughs) I'm okay. (laughs) You say that
1: with the Leeds sweatshirt you're wearing and with the appropriate face. It was another tough weekend for a Leeds fan, wasn't it?
0: As per usual.
1: (laughs) Tell us about it. Yeah.
0: So this weekend should have been easy. Like, Leeds Mm -hmm. is playing Forest. We're at the bottom of the table, but I looked at everyone below us and I was like, this is fine. Everyone below us is going to lose. Everton versus Arsenal. Oh, no chance. Everton. I mean, Everton's dead in the water. West Ham versus Newcastle. Flying
1: Newcastle. All that Saudi money. Yes.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Wolves versus Liverpool.
1: Yeah. And even, I mean, Wolves, Liverpool, that's a gimme, right?
0: Yeah. Everything was going to be fine. Yeah. We were fine. Yeah. So I wake up Saturday... Could even d-
1: move up maybe 15? Yes. 15, maybe even 14? F-
0: we were going to soar <laughs> this weekend.
1: And the new signings are in? The Weston s- McKenney. Mm-hmm.
0: All this fresh blood. This The th-
1: soccer mastermind, Chris Armis on the sideline. <laughs> <laughs> what could your, go wrong? Your favorite? <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> so the first thing I see when I wake up on Saturday morning is Everton won Arsenal 0 across the TV screen. And I was like... Just not good. Mm. (laughs) And that pretty much set off everything. Everyone who could gain points that I didn't want to gain points, gained points. Yes. And
1: it is cruel. Wolves ended up uh, blowing out Liverpool. West Ham tied with Newcastle. And so now Leeds are just above the drop zone, (laughs) tied on points with a newly resurgent... Sean Dyche, Everton. Oh, and they played scored. pretty well. <laughs> they played with a, a purpose and drive that... Um,
0: a direction?
1: I don't know. <laughs> hey, maybe they just needed a, a simple a simple approach. That Dyche, or maybe Frank Lampard is actually just a crappy manager. <laughs> maybe <laughs> we can just agree on that at this maybe point. Maybe that's what it was. Yeah, it was tough. And <sighs> I think for a lot of us, you know, Leeds United States of America, we have a lot riding on it. And you watch those games and you wonder... If they don't make it, if Marsh doesn't make it, <laughs> is the whole U.S. takeover of the Premier League over? But then you remember, on the flip side, we have players like Tim Ream and Fulham, who had an amazing weekend mm-hmm. as well. Um, so it's not just Leeds. But there's there's a lot of uh, uh, stars and stripes over there. there is, <laughs> they
0: they Yeah, they really went on, all in on the stars and stripes, which really is not like a priority for me at all. It was just like a... Fun what, do ha- you, uh, do you hate America? No, I <laughs> don't, don't put words in my mouth. Just, so you a, hate the US national team. I have a global perspective. Oh, okay.
1: <laughs> well, globally Leeds is in trouble as well. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Well, we were texting and a little as a uh, highlight, I, you know, I just reassured you that hey, look, worst-case scenario in two years, we get to see Leeds play Wrexham every week, every other week and Amer- in League One. <laughs> America will
0: be happy. America will be happy. We'll, they'll be thrilled.
1: And that's really one of the things um, this week that was stuck in my head is there's this whole debate brewing in U.S. soccer uh, about the popularity of Wrexham AFC. Uh, is it Wrexham AFC or FC? I do not know. See, that's how cool we are. We don't fall into <laughs> trends. Well, the you know the the uh, oh, I watched the, the show. Hollywood fueled uh, fifth division team, um, Welsh team, in just outside of the English pyramid that was bought by two Hollywood stars, Ryan Reynolds and the guy from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, which is how most of the media presents <laughs> it. Sorry, Rob McElhenney. 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 Sorry, you uh, you are in the shadow of the um, Deadpool gin producer, Ryan Reynolds. And there's a lot of tension in U.S. soccer because Wrexham is receiving an exorbitant amount of attention from the media, but also from U.S. soccer fans. I believe that their FA Cup match against Sheffield United was the top um, U- it was the top broadcast match of that weekend um, in the United States. Now there was no Premier League, there was no MLS. Uh, It was, you know, it was international. Was it still international break? But it was the FA Cup. They were
0: playing, and all these other bigger teams were playing. That should have been bigger games. Yeah, yeah.
1: But they were still playing. Those bigger teams were playing smaller teams, Mm. and I think the FA Cup is just now penetrate. Anyway, it was a huge success, and for a lot of longtime soccer fans like myself and MLS fans, there's like this: Hey, what? what is going on all of a sudden everyone's like oh this is amazing what an amazing story i have family members who have never shown any interest in soccer explaining pro rel to me which is so fun and just how exciting it is and i just want to like (laughs) scream and also in a country we've been trying to get domestic soccer off the ground for so long um and to get all this attention i i think there's People frustrate. Why don't the media focus on MLS? Now, the argument says, well, it's just not as exciting. The story is not as exciting. And I wonder if that's the football or the, obviously the TV show or the marketing. Because mm. Ryan Reynolds is a marketing genius. Oh, that's yeah. That's part of what he does. Um, so, and I don't know how you feel about this whole debate. I can tell you a little bit more how I well, feel in a minute.
0: to going back like to the marketing of it all, didn't... I heard, now you may need to fact check me on this, um, that part of the getting into buying a club for the two of them was they saw the Sunderland documentary and were like, let's make this, doc- let's do this, let's make a documentary yeah. as a priority before buying the team.
1: I think they went, I think my understanding, and again, I apologize, I have not watched the full series, so I'm sure this is common knowledge, but that, um, uh, Rob Macalani, McElhaney, McElhaney, Mac, Mac, Mac. Mac. He's Mac. Mac. Um, the lesser of the two famed owners. <laughs> he came across that this club was for sale, and that he needed a partner who could afford it. Uh, well, that's uh, the that's the story. That's the story. But it's very clear from the beginning that they had an idea of doing mm-hmm. a documentary, and that would be the source, and if they controlled the club, they could control the story, and they, I think mm-hmm. they saw the benefit in the popularity of the show. It's clear now that they've been sucked into the potential of the team, mm-hmm. and it seems like now they have more sight on if we actually get this team promoted higher levels, that's a whole different kind of stratosphere of success, yeah, and long-term success mm-hmm. in history. Um, it's an interesting story. But it's a story played out over you know millions of clubs, and I think the thing that um really bugs me, and I think it may be true for a lot of u s soccer fans of my generation, is that I came up playing like in the nineties, and before that, like before real organized playing in the seventies eighties, where soccer in this u s was a total desert landscape. Mm it was not considered a real sport. You had to really go to great lengths to watch any sort of international game. And because of that, two things are true. One, I think there was a sense of pride in being in on a secret that the rest of culture didn't know. Do you know what I mean? Because like, oh, there's this amazing thing. The world loves it. This is how it works. And you guys don't care or know anything about it. And that makes me special, blah, blah, blah. Um, And I also think that it developed a unique soccer culture in the US of not your traditional jock sport fan, right? So there were people, I think, who had more... Independent tendencies could find a sport that also gives them kind of the joy and love of sport. And I think that that crowd has persisted and you see it around the U.S. national team and, and other ways. And they have always, I think, wanted to support soccer, um, but they'll keep it their, oh, as their own thing as well. Keep it a little secret. And in the re- last 10 years, as the Premier League has really exploded in the U.S., um, there's some animosity to that, but at least those clubs still have their history and culture and there's authenticity yeah. in the eye of US fans. But then with Ryan Reynolds and the Mac, or Mac, <laughs> coming <laughs> in. Um McElhaney. Those, to me, are very representation of that kind of mainstream culture that is the opposite of what I was talking about. And them coming in with no knowledge and just be like, we'll oh, go, go buy a soccer yeah. team and we'll just market it. And then now that they're the top of the conversation, I think wounds a lot of people who've invested time in the sport in the U.S. Now, is that legit a legit reason that. not to I like it? I think that
0: makes, well, maybe no. not, not to like it, but to feel a little hurt. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. This is, from your perspective, this is interesting because yeah. for me, um, my perspective and how I got into soccer, it was like, or professional, watching professional soccer. My husband isn't from the U.S. He's from Hong Kong. And um. so... Like Jeremy. Jeremy. He's Who,
1: for the record, we have asked to be uh, on this podcast and has refused.
0: <laughs> uh, politely declined. <laughs> <laughs> um, so his, he always watched European soccer growing up, um, because that's what was popular, uh, where he was. And, um, so he was like really into peak Barcelona and, um, uh, so when I started getting into it, cause he was into it, we were always watching premiere and like, it's like, okay, I'm going to pick a club and I'm going to pick this club because they just got promoted and they're in it now. And then now of course it's the United States of Leeds, which is an interesting shift for me, even though <laughs> <laughs> it was a very brief time before that. But, um, so coming into it as somebody who wasn't invested in MLS, not because, um, I never had any interest but because my connection with somebody with a different perspective, hearing you and your perspective, it makes so much sense that um, having all the hype be around by somebody who wasn't in the niche MLS culture and then going out and talking about this stuff like they know everything or or being like the not talking about it like they know everything actually in the show they are, that's portray portrayed themselves as their, very ignorant, but it's yeah, part of the cell but like now they they have all of this clout, yeah, and it's without any history like every
1: story about Wrexham, the thumbnail is a picture of Ryan Reynolds, not even like the real fans or I mean that sums up a lot to me and i th- I think additionally for so long like even when i i when I played and I think early U.S. men's national teams, there was a very strong sense of us versus the world oh. and this desire of the U.S. wanting, of soccer wanting to take root in the United States and have success in the U.S. Um, as its own product. So I think that's very much behind the national team. That was the dreams behind MLS. I think there's some st- core structural issues with MLS that will always prevent that. But the idea that we could support our own city's clubs and our national team and compete on the national level. And to have this much U.S. success for a tiny Welsh city Mm -hmm. is also, I think, rubs some people the wrong way. And again, I think it's all silly, the the whole debate, because really it's just a show that's popular. People like it.
0: And it is a fun show. I'm sure it is.
1: (laughs) But it is funny. There's a lot of chatter about that. The other thing that happened this week um, that caught my attention is Apple TV launched its mls oh yeah did you have something else to say
0: oh i was i was gonna say this has to do with mls too but jeremy actually started looking at tickets for chicago fire oh now finally fire fire fire
1: um yeah you know i i love going to fire games i think you guys will have a blast but it's one of those things where it's there's not the crowds there should be. There's not Well, the we're going to try and fix that. Yeah. Two more bodies. And so, you, when you see that excitement for a, te- a Welsh team, you're like, why? You know, there's a yeah, team, right in here. our case, like right in the city. Again, some structural issues we could talk about another time. Um, but it's it's a fun atmosphere. But that's great. That's yeah. great.
0: And it's like, what's nothing wrong with having your club in England and having your local no, team too. No, yeah. but,
1: but go to a game. and. Yeah. I'll be curious if you guys take advantage of this Apple TV MLS package. Oh, so,
0: well, I didn't see that it had been launched because the coverage of Wrexham <laughs> way outdid well, the coverage well, of uh, the Apple the, TV the launch. The
1: coverage of Wrexham not only <laughs> overshadowed the launch of the Apple TV MLS package, which is Apple TV now has exclusive rights to all broadcast content for Major League Soccer. And there, if you go to your Apple TV app, at the top one of the options is MLS. And they have a very robust... Site with backstories on each club, past reporting, uh, recaps of last season, uh, previews of each team. So there's a lot of money going to it. It's still it's very corporate feeling, but mm. that's kind of MLS in itself. <laughs> I'll be curious how it goes. Um, but the other thing, the Wrexham story I forgot to mention overshadowed is all this underdog talk about Wrexham. There was an MLS team in the Club World Cup for the first time in history. Did you know that? And I they didn't. played this weekend. I didn't. So the Club World Cup, FIFA Club World Cup, is all the top teams from uh, different, the different FIFA conferences. And they have a World Cup. It, it's not it's taken too serious till like maybe the final game, oh. usually. Um, Chelsea are past winners. Um, and they're playing in Morocco. And the Seattle Sounders were the first MLS team to ever win the CONCACAF Champions League, which is like the UEFA Champions mm-hmm. League for our region. And they were going there, and that should have been a huge deal, like zero awareness, oh. zero awareness. They ended up losing their first game because they're still in preseason. But I
0: digress. <laughs> we're not here to
1: talk about these things. Um, we're not? <laughs> <laughs> well, any other quick recaps? From Did you watch any other games this weekend?
0: Um, I caught Harry Kane's 200th Premier League goal. Oh, that just happened, Just yeah. before we started. That was exciting for him.
1: Don't you feel like he should have a different voice?
0: I can't even think of what he sounds like. Oh, Well, it's just kind of a... It's real. (laughs) It's like
1: like you see the way he plays and kind of looks and you're like, oh, English gentleman voice. And then he has what I assume is one of the most working class British accents Mm. like he's delivering coal. Like, oh, yeah, I can't even do it. But um, I... Sorry, Harry Kane. I love you. I think you're a fantastic <laughs> footballer. But I'm always surprised by your voice. I know you're one of our listeners. <laughs> so you saw that? That was Hi historic. Um, Another upset, I would say? Against that was Manchester an upset. City? Yeah. yeah.
0: I love an upset. Except for if it has to do with Everton, Wolves, <laughs> or West Ham, <laughs> or Leeds and Forest.
1: <laughs> that Everton... <laughs> I enjoyed that Everton game. Because... It was it was almost like a, a like a final game of the season where they were facing relegation. That was the energy mm. level. And after they won, oh, the vibe they, in the stadium they was were insane. out of the
0: zone for about three minutes until in the next game block the Wolves scored really quickly. And then on the live table, it was like Everton had gone out of relegation, and then they were back. Yeah, they got. But I think
1: if they keep that up, they'll play. Yeah, so that was good. Okay, shall we move on? All right. So as you know, each week for an indefinite period of time, until we're ready to move on to yeah. some other uh, design and uh, football culture aspect of the game, we have decided to choose a different country in the world and then look at their uh, footballing structure and choo- each choose a team uh, from, a, uh, from that country and kind of break down their crest. We can choose the team based on a connection, but mostly it's um, what we can find out and what designs kind of stand out. So to make this really open and it, it's exciting because so far I've learned quite a bit to yeah. be honest. Is that each at the end of each episode we randomly select a country for We're next. We're spinning week. the globe. <laughs> um, and wh- what what did we end up picking last and week?
0: We spun the globe and we got Serbia. Woo-hoo. <laughs> <laughs> oh
1: boy! And was that a complicated sandwich of football?
0: <laughs> yeah, it was.
1: <laughs> now, when you when we um, initially chose it, we were looking at some of the crests quickly online. Yeah, and they're they, different. They're different. They're yeah.
0: interesting. And yeah, and you were like, saying, was "I'm like, excited." I was excited to talk about it. I'm like, "Oh, I'm liking these," and then I was like, "Oh no." Th- I'm not. <laughs>
1: and, what, and what made you say that?
0: <laughs> well, what I didn't really realize is that there's this really active and loud part of the fan base in Serbia mm-hmm. with like far-right nationalist views. Yeah, the ultras. Yeah. Anti-LGBTQIA views yeah. and um, and the demonstrations and violence and so <laughs> that diminished my excitement. <laughs> yeah, I think
1: that um, before we start, it's kind of hard. To not address some of the complications and uh, darker histories that that yeah. line up with Serbian football, and I think a good way um, to start that is you know first maybe just give an overview of where the league is. So the uh, the Serbian uh, Serbian Super League, the Mozart Super League, I think that's their sponsor, um, has only been around since 2006 and has about sixteen teams. And even though it's been around, only around since 2006, a lot of the teams have been together since the 20s. That's because being a Serbian football league, they were a part of the former uh, country of Yugoslavia. So their history is tied in with the very turbulent history of that region of the world. They used to, of course, compete in the Yugoslav First League. Uh, That competition was formed in 1923 and lasted until 2003. Um, after the downfall of the former uh, Yugoslavia in 91, there was briefly uh, uh, a, another league with the new Yugoslavia uh, that was with uh, Serbia and Montenegro. Uh, they kept the name Yugoslavia in the title of that league. It was called, I believe, the Yugoslav Pro League or something like that um, until 2003 um and then the country changed its name to Serbia and Montenegro but they still kept the name in the league and that lasted until 2006 when Montenegro gained independence and formed its own league the Montenegrin First League so then we have the Serbia Superliga the champions currently are Red Star Belgrade there's really just two teams and we're going to talk more in depth about them yeah. that have dominated the league um Red Star and Partizan um UEFA currently ranks the league 11th in Europe of 55 leagues. So the the caliber of play is on the higher end. And they have amazing, um, amazing. They have very successful academies, youth academies. There's Serbian players who come through. I know the Partizan Academy, probably Red Star as well, who play all over Europe. Uh, Some of the most well-known, Alexander Mitrovic from Tim Reams Fulham in the Premier League. You may know him. And of course, Bora Milonovic. Milonovic? Milonovic. I only know him as Bora. I apologize for mispronouncing his last name. But of course, he's the former Serbian player and most Americans know him as the U.S. men's national team coach during the pivotal 1994 World Cup. Um, Their national team is ranked number 21 in the world and number 13 in UEFA by FIFA. So again, top half of middle. Um... And that's kind of the overview, right? Um, and that's kind of the overview. Now, I mentioned the turbulent, not turbulent, but kind of weird history of the league having to change. That's, of course, because it parallels the change in the, in the Balkan regions. Um, and it's, not, it's impossible to, I think, understand the complexities of football in Serbia without knowing that history a little bit. Um, so sticking to modern history, fairly modern history of Serbia, starting when it was uh, part of Yugoslavia. So Yugoslavia obviously founded after World War I and when they split up the Austria-Hungarian empire when the allies did. Um, in 1945, after World War II, Yugoslavia became um, a communist country led by their um, controversial Potentially tyrannical leader <laughs> uh, uh, Tito. Um, in 1963, the country was renamed again as the Socialist Federal Republic of Yugoslavia. Uh, Yugoslavia is interesting, is that the communist form was the communist form of the country was very much formed in the model of Russia, and there was an alliance with Stalin, but they quickly separated. Um, so they were still communist, but kind of independent from Russia. They, you know, Tito, who was their uh, leader, president for life, basically, died in the 1980s and after he died, um, despite what he may have done or people viewed, there was something about him and his administration by force or force of will was kind of keeping this country of very um, different regions and conflicting ethnic backgrounds together so after his death there was a rise in different nationalist tendencies and conflict within the country um and so yugoslavia began to break up along the borders of the different sections in the country against serbia montenegro croatia i'm screwing this up am i right so far it's a lot of history bosnia bosnia um so that led, of course, to the Yugoslav Wars, um, which really went from 93 till as recently as 2017. Yeah. There's still conflict. And I'm very, in my mind, when I think of this region of the world, that history is very front of mind. It, that was, you know, 97. Sophomore at college was really becoming aware of global news. And I just remember the scenes uh, from what was going on over there is really impressionable. Not that different from really went the news in ukraine today Mm -hmm. Um, just the amount of destruction and violence Um, and i don't think that there's a way that that could not leave an imprint on a community Um, several uh, political and military leaders from the yugoslav wars were tried for war crimes genocide, and other crimes committed during those wars been through it all a lot of these football clubs continued to operate at some capacity And I imagine several of their players were directly involved in or affected by this violence. And the fans most definitely were, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that that kind of recent, destructive, violent history, disruption, can't but stay with a society for a certain amount of time. So then you throw in football, which in its very nature is tribal, Mm -hmm. Um, is very much about alliance, belonging, choosing a side. And you throw on top of that um, a lot of ethnic conflict, a lot of trauma, um, a a society that was overly exposed to violence um, and very strong division. It It makes sense logically. I don't think it ever makes sense in terms of it being the correct thing that there is a violent supporter culture that grows up in parts around it. Yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned that, um, the hooliganism in Serbian football. And yeah, go ahead.
0: Um, one thing that struck me in researching this was that ever since like the formation of the clubs that the government gave supporters of the clubs actual power to have like political and, um, like paramilitary influence that they could get away with.
1: It's crazy, Yeah. but a lot of these clubs like were very tied in with the military in their founding. You can see how the darker side of of football, of tribalism, nationalism, and racism can pool in the spot that organized sports creates as kind of a stand-in for Mm -hmm. conflict really. And unfortunately this has happened at different times in Serbia. There are several ultra groups, um, hooligans, with names such as the Gravediggers, Headhunters, Zulu Warriors, Red Devils, um, and a lot of them trace their lineage back to the Balkan War of the 90s Mm. and are tied in with that conflict in the military. Um, They're renowned for their tough-as-nailed attitude and their kind of love of and seeking out of violence. I mean, in the past, Serbian ultras have killed rival fans uh, including famously a Toulouse supporter in 2009 who was beaten to death with iron bars and mm. bicycle chains. Of course, there are the well-known events in 2014 um, when partisan fans unfurled an anti-Semitic banner as they were facing Tottenham in European competition, um, which is even more jarring considering the history of concentration camps in the Belgrade area. Mm. Um, mm. There is the unfortunate event in 2017 when fans taunted a partisan player from Brazil, everton Luiz, with monkey noises every time he touched a ball mm-hmm. throughout a game. Um, the league was sanctioned after both of these events. A lot of these empty stadium European competitions you've seen in the past pre-COVID were happening um, in Serbia. Um, and it's, it's heart-wrenching. So there's a great um, image of one of the fellow partisan players comforting Everton Louise, who was on tears on the field because the taunting was so intense. But in that image, for me, you get a sense of yes, there's this dark side that has appeared in other areas of football. You think about the 80s in England, the hooliganism there um, that really destroys a league, can destroy the reputation of a league. It's very hurtful. But then thrown amongst it are players um, trying to make a career. Mm-hmm. trying to find a path. I'm sure there are fans and organizers who have histories with these clubs who do not agree with the ultras, but the kind of their voice because of its um, aggression kind of rises to the top. The national team has also had issues of financial improprieties, other issues where they've been binded several times. So it's a choppy history. I don't know. Did I... Is that a good enough cover? I mean, I'm sure there's <laughs> other things going on, but
0: there was other stuff at the World Cup too.
1: Oh my! In Russia, or, or this time around?
0: This time around, uh, the certain um, Serbian nationalist um, statements about like Kosovo and yeah, um, use of flags and anti-Albanian stuff. Yeah,
1: there was. There was. That's right. There was uh, fans bringing uh, basically. Racist, anti-Albanian propaganda into stadiums. Um, And there was accusations that both sides were not treated fairly in those attempts. And I know in the World Cup in Russia, there was um, a lot of violence from Serbian fans. So it's, it's, it's tricky. And I don't know, I think when we decide to talk about when we decide to talk about design and culture and history through the lens of football, I think it's because we both maybe are drawn to the more positive sides of that. Mm. But I think we have to address the tendency for this darker side.
0: I think for me, when it comes to certain things, certain symbols, I tend to think of um, some as relics. Um, Like, the communist star is in both of our logos that we're going to be talking about. Yes. Serbia is no longer communist, but the fact of the matter is that at least for red star, the symbol of the team is still an, is an active symbol and an active thing that people rally around, even yeah. though the communist thing that began, it's like it was a, a political emblem masquerading as a football crest. And, um, that part of it's a relic now, but the, this, the logo itself is an active symbol that some people use for far-right views.
1: Yeah, and it's it's wild how that can be adopted the world over. I mean, if you just look how the Brazilian national team jersey has been adopted by the far right in Brazil. Hmm. Um. And I was when I was looking at this issue, and as I mentioned, it has appeared at different times in different places. Our last episode we talked about briefly a history in British football where because of the violence and hooliganism in that league, it was suspended from European competition, which is hard to believe now because England is the super league now, Mm -hmm. (laughs) they are like the, the top. So I say that with an understanding that there's the potential for it anywhere you know, I know even in the U S in, in sports, there's a lot of violence between fans and considering the climate at times here, I'm surprised that there hasn't been a political tinge to certain teams and yeah. approaches. And I hope it doesn't happen because that could be pretty awful
0: to say the least. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so I, I, it's, it's, it's tough. Um, and I hope it changes. Um, because it really is the first thing that comes to mind when you think about when you start researching Serbian football and it covers up a lot of interesting history. Um, there's a lot of great players that have come out of the country and I'm sure that there are stories, normal community stories that have surrounded these teams in the past that don't aren't so dark. Um, but we can't. We have to address that before mm-hmm. we just talk about the design, and I think more of it will come up in the design. And as we mentioned, there's really just two teams where there's a lot of deep information out about, and that's um, Red Star and Partisan. And I've just been talking a lot, okay. <laughs> so I think we're going to start, and you're going to talk about Red Star Belgrade.
0: So the team that I covered for today is Red Star Belgrade. Um, they are pretty much the dominant team. Yeah, when you yeah. look at
1: league winners it's they are very well represented. Yeah,
0: that's that's they are it. Um so they got their start after World War II in 1945 and they were formed um after the the new communist government dissolved basically every old team. Like there had been teams playing during the German occupation, they dissolved those, they dissolved anyone who didn't ideologically align with the new communist government. So they kind of took the old pieces and put them back together, and um, Red Star Red Star Belgrade was formed from the resources of the former SK Yugoslavia Club. So they had been known as the Reds, and they played in red and white, and so that's kind of where they got their visual identity. Oh, clever. Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Not the reds as in the the commies?
0: Well, I think it worked out for them, (laughs) right? Because they really (laughs) leaned into the whole, um, the communist vibe with the design. So the original design, the crest is a circular shape with a wide red border and an orange center. And then within that, circle there's a red communist star that's laid, laid over top of the orange with the bottom two points are resting on top of the red border and the top three points of the star are protruding from the top so of it's the almost circle.
1: like it's rising out of yeah, that circle it's like rising
0: yeah. out of like this red sun <laughs> um <laughs> red dog yeah <laughs> and then in front that's kind of the background for this figure, this human figure that's orange and brown, like the background with its arms stretched out. And it's kind of like almost this um, Da Vinci type. It reminds me of like a
1: um, Russian space program. Oh, yeah. Very much.
0: Yeah, very much like this. Like a
1: non-gendered human figure Uh spread across. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So it, it either has like, yeah, these kind of, like Russian-y government human achievement vibes. Also this like very sp- like athletic sports person vibe, like a little action figure.
1: So like in the 1980s Hollywood movie, the uh, <laughs> illegal sports <laughs> complex in Russia that was making yeah. cyborg athletes would have this logo. This is the guy. This yeah. is the logo. There <laughs>
0: yeah. um, and then in Cyrillic it's written Zvezdva. Oh, beautiful! Vesta. I
1: dare say that your Cyrillic <laughs> pronunciation is better than your Italian.
0: Oh, it might be. <laughs> I'm so sorry to all the Serbian speakers out there. That translates to red star, <laughs> which I will be referring to it from here on out as such. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so that's the so first that's one. That's the first one. Yeah. And uh, that only lasted for five years and, um, and then they went for something much more kind of less, a little less um, personality, we'll say, a little more pared back. But uh, when I read about this, um, where I was reading from said that they changed the design to make the logo in line with football heraldry rules. And I did not realize that there were rules. I have not found these rules hmm. anywhere. I don't know who made these rules.
1: So so explain what, uh, like, football heraldry... So
0: that's like when you see the shield and something that looks more medieval almost or, like, crest-like. So, yeah, I'm going to have to dig deeper to see if I can find the rules.
1: Well, I wonder if those were rules within Europe or within... It was
0: 1950, so...
1: Yugoslavia, maybe, or... Maybe. I I don't know. That's interesting.
0: But... The new design, and there are four versions of this, um, the same basic design that they went through from 1950 to 95, and it's a simple triangular shield shape, which is called the heater shape. Fun fact, because it looks like an iron. Oh, Yeah. nice. Yeah. (laughs) Um, (laughs) With a red star placed in its center, the shield is cut in half diagonally to be white on top and red on the bottom. Uh, With the red, I said in half, but it's taking up about two-thirds of the space. The star is outlined um, to break it apart from the solid background, and there are several versions of this. It's in different ones outlined in gold and in white. Um, In the upper left, there are bold letters in Cyrillic that look like an OK, but the O is actually the symbol closest to F, so it's football club. Um, And in the version... That's the most recent, the longest lasting. Um, the shield is outlined in gold. There's like a little white space and then a gold uh, stroke so around the this, outside.
1: This to me looks like um, just the most basic, generic, communist type logo. It's just yeah. red and white, diagonal through the crest, the center star, the Cyrillic yeah. Uh, and, and it just is like think of a again, team
0: think of a team called Red Star <laughs> this is what this it or like, it. <laughs>
1: More like a, a fake Russian beer um, oh yeah logo. I mean it mm. just so I know just, I keep saying Russian but like communist it is it's, it's heavily very, influenced by that absolutely yeah. absolutely
0: yeah um, and that stayed pretty
1: much it that, for a long time
0: yeah that was basic that basic design was 50 to 95 Um and this was the crest that they actually had their like biggest moments ever with, with this is the badge they went to with the 1991 European cup final and, um, they won that game and they won the international cup final that year in 1991. Wow. And then, um, of course all hell breaks loose in the former Yugoslavia. Yeah, literally. So, uh, things change. Things aren't as, um, going as well on the soccer scene understandably <laughs> so more important things going on more yeah. important things going on um, and the crest changes really for the first time since that beginning spaceman from the 40s <laughs> and this is this is tough because this is definitely a reaction to the politics yeah um, they shrink the shield down and place it inside of a larger circle and the background colors now there's the red star shield from before but now it's laid on top of um not
1: quite a circle it's like a squished circle yeah sort of. it's yeah.
0: squished it's not quite a circle good eye yeah
1: <laughs> what would you call that like a
0: an oval but it's not <laughs> even
1: yeah it's kind of like a bottom heavy oval yeah
0: um this isn't a very strong design but it they basically added the colors of the socialist federal republic of yugoslavia flag yes as a statement mm-hmm. a and what what is that statement uh, <laughs> we're part of the socialist <laughs> she, all of you people <laughs> leaving the socialist federal republic of Yugoslavia well, look at us <laughs> weird <laughs> uh, yeah shame on you Um, so, this so it's blue on the left blue on the left and on the right side there's red and white stripes and there's five of each and then on the outside there's a, a stroke of another blue stripe and circulating everything
1: I don't know about the politics of the change but I actually find it more engaging in like the, the shield just with the star in it oh yeah, works better without the, the like, uh, the Cyrillic F like okay letters within it. Oh yeah. The okay
0: um, is now on top. It's right. in the circle. It's not in the shield.
1: Um, it oddly could be mistaken for a U.S. badge.
0: Yes. It's very... It <laughs> looks very, 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 like. very, very, very American. Yeah. It, it would fit... Except for the OK.
1: Except for the complete history. And also... <laughs>
0: you know what? Also, there was a version of this that had Latin letters FK for a football club. Yeah. Um, so that looks maybe a little bit more... Closer. closer yeah. Closer to what could be construed as a U.S. And then they flagged.
1: didn't keep that for too long, did they?
0: No, that was... Well actually that was the two versions of that were 95 to 2010 mm-hmm. um, and then they went back to the original, but they're now they've added stars for uh, 30 plus League Cup <laughs> wins. so now they have three stars. Um, yeah, that not much changed. i I'm not surprised that they went back considering all of the politics, yeah. the current politics. Um, and the use of this as like a symbol for Serbian pride, I'm not surprised they kept it.
1: Yeah, they kept it longer than the ex Yugoslavia existed. Yeah, um, and that's similar to even the name of the league persisted for after the the fall part. It was still the Yugoslavian. I forget, but I can understand. Um, I mean, I can't. I, I say I can understand. I can't really understand like the amount of turmoil involved and all of that and then to because at some point there's someone here trying to just run a club right yeah somebody's trying to play soccer with all the all the communist imagery and all of the social layers and it it is still an organization that needs to make money and so -hmm. so like trying to navigate that and and still try to compete in europe and still so um i feel bad for that intern (laughs) I just really, you know... that's all. Copied and pasted. That's a like lot <laughs> of stuff to carry. That's a lot of stuff to carry. Okay. <laughs> oh,
0: no. <laughs>
1: you want me to do what? Okay. <laughs>
0: uh, and so they returned to basically yeah, their original. They returned the stars, to the original. And
1: they've changed the size a little bit of it.
0: Yeah, they've just made slight adjustments. So, it, yeah, it's, it's a pretty... Um, It's not as many, like, swings back and forth as other club clubs. It's not like Juventus where there's just,
1: you know, looking at them, I think that, um, you know, none of these are, like, great. Mm -mm. And I think that um, they're, although within the uh, Serbian Super League, I did see some interesting crests, Mm -hmm. but there's so little information in our extent, I'm just, we, and the amount of research we could do, so little information on those clubs. Didn't think yeah. like we have a discussion, but like um, FK Rad, I don't know if you saw that one. It's a circular one, and it almost looks like a thumb is in the middle of it or something, hmm. like the outline of a thumb. You
0: know, I think in order to make this research complete, we just both need to become fluent in Serbian. <laughs> no, Be- uh, pass. <laughs> <laughs> and then the that's uh, where the information lies. <laughs>
1: And what was the other one? Um, there was another one that was really interesting, but I couldn't find too much great information about the club. And that would be uh, FK Mladost. I would say M L A D O S T, uh, like has a very ornate lettering. It's mm. blue and white.
0: I remember some very striking green ones.
1: Yeah, but the but I if I did have to choose from these red star, I actually, while I love the straight. Uh, idealistic i don't love but i find interesting the original <laughs> Just, crest but the one immediately after that where the shape of their shield was more uh, diamond shape i think is is interesting before it was kind of a more rounded out shape
0: i think the one with the gold lettering and the gold outline star mm-hmm. where i'm looking at was in the 70s and 80s okay it was a little softer and rounder is that are we looking at the same one
1: I'm looking, I think, the the first one right after the initial, oh. or it's actually sharper. Yeah, very sharp. Shape. I like yeah. the one right after that. Okay, well, you're wrong. Okay. Oh, you're wrong. <laughs> well, this is a, a very interesting. It
0: looks, the one I like looks like puff paint. <laughs>
1: <laughs> this is a similar, um, in ways, there's some similarities between our two clubs, um, obviously their shared history. Um,
0: they're also arch rivals.
1: They are arch rivals because they're the two best teams and they're both in Belgrade. Um, so Partisan or Partisan Belgrade is the, the club that I was looking at their crest. A little history about this club. They were actually formed by the army in 1945 and the club is named in honor of the Partisans, the group that were, uh, as they often say, were the anti-fascist group and that's actually the group led by Tito um, that helped him rise to fame within the country. So very tied in with the military. Um, the club is a huge multi-sport club.
0: Oh, same with same with Red Star. The, so the it's very just, much this European, yeah. they
1: have basketball, they have, gymnastics they have esports so it's a huge enterprise from chess to water polo um, I was really surprised to find that Partisan has one of the top youth development um, academies in Europe oh. and a lot of the Serbian players that are all over Europe and they do play all over Europe and the world have, have come through that system um, they are nicknamed the steamrollers uh, after their dominance in the 1964-65 season when the kind of high coincided with their golden generation of players and the way in which they were steamrolling other teams. That nickname is stuck. Their farthest European competition was in 1966 when they were in the European Cup final against Real Madrid. They have appeared in the Champions League and are regular, um, uh, regular participants in the Europa League competition. Um, so there's a lot of history there.
0: That's similar to Red Star, yeah. Which makes sense because they're the two, like top docs.
1: Sixties, early seventies. Yeah, things start to fall apart. Yeah,
0: (laughs) I found this chart. Might be derailing us here. This is (laughs) sorry. This is the UEFA ranking for Red Star.
1: Oh yeah, there's a little bit of a drop off. Yeah, right at ninety two, (laughs) ninety three. Just
0: they were right at the top, and then bam.
1: But it's amazing how much they've climbed in the last. uh, the last decade.
0: Yeah. You can really learn a lot about a place by just looking at their UEFA (laughs) ranking chart.
1: Um, So again, similar to red star, they, there was only really one big jump in the design of their crests. Um, And then there were just variations on the second one. And so their first one was adopted a, uh, a crest with a blue disc with a yellow border and had a red five-pointed star in the middle, <gasps> <laughs> which symbolized communism. Um, and contained within that was the abbreviation uh, JA, which stands for the Yugoslav army. So, the, you know, there's... Very direct. Very direct. Not a yeah. lot of... a uh, little
0: more direct than the red star's first one. Yeah, all which it's
1: missing <laughs> is the... Uh, androgynous space figure. <laughs> um, to someone not in the know, it just looks like it says, yeah, yeah. It's like, yes. Yeah, it's like I'm cute. so happy. <laughs> but I mean, again, this is like the stereotypical communist emblem. Mm-hmm. The blue, the red star with the gold outline. Um, and if you look at their kits from the time, it was very large on their kits. Oh. So, you know, I would say a normal crest was what like three inches across these were seemed like they were like five to six inches so it was like we are the army we are communist Mm -hmm. and we play soccer or football or whatever it is and so so that was the case um from 1945 when they were found founded until 1947 And at that point it went underwent a change it still incorporated the original styles but it was i would say a fairly dramatic um yeah, change.
0: it's, no, it, sure.
1: Yeah, so the central circle um, now became white, still with a red-pointed star in it. It's now surrounded by a larger blue circle in which the words the Yugoslavia, the Yugoslav army were written, so they got rid of the J-A, now it's just written. Um, and both circles are bordered by a yellow circle that has a green wreath over it. Um, at the top and bottom of the emblem, there's a shield with red and white lines, Excuse me. at the bottom of the emblem was a shield with red and white lines and at the top were five torches representing one of the five nations of Yugoslavia. So Serbs, Croats, Slovenes, Macedonians, and Montenegrins. Um, so this is all a clear reference to the national emblem of Yugoslavia. So similar again to that adaptation of the Red Star um, bringing in the Yugoslav national imagery. Um, and that, that form... One or the other is really the basis for what's today, but it did go through four other iterations. So in the in 1950, it changed, and in that change, um, Parson was separated um, from the Yugoslav army, and for the first time, the team's name was written in Cyrillic and Latin alphabets on either side of the center circle. So you have that. Center oh, that's what in the that middle. is. Okay. Yeah, so it's both in Cyrillic and Latin. The inscription of the Yugoslav army was removed from the crest along with a green wreath and was replaced by the words "Sportsko Drustvo sports association. Um, Partisan used this emblem until 1958. um, And it still had the original colors, even though the team had changed its equipment colors to black and white a year before. Interesting story about the equipment colors, because this ties into our episode last week. Um, so there's a story I found in a, in nineteen fifty seven so they' are still you know have this colorful logo. uh the club was on tour in South America and had a friendly with Juventus um a president of Juventus, Umberto Agnelli donated <laughs> great job <laughs> donated two sets of Juventus's black and white jerseys to partisan. And from that point on, all of a sudden, partisan was wearing black and white striped jerseys. So, so we Juventus go from strikes
0: again. We go from Knotts County, <laughs> England, to Juventus in Italy. I think there should be a, a partisan a Bali. Juventus
1: tourney, like all the teams that stole Juventus jerseys. Yeah, where did
0: Knotts yeah. County get them from? Well, I
1: thought they were also. I know they're the the oldest club
0: yeah. in association football. <laughs> you just wanted to go back on <laughs> <laughs> Did you know? <laughs>
1: um, so then, um, that was its emblem till 1958. But then, uh, at that point, the uh, to match the match the uniform in 58, they dropped almost all the colors. So now it is black and white. Uh, with the red star and then the flame on top is also in red other changes at that point Um, it was sorry all right the only other change is that it no longer says sports association it now says yugoslovensko Sportsko drustvo yugoslav sports association um Slightly changed in 63 when they added a sixth flame to the torch to reflect the change of the official state emblem, which now included six torches representing six Yugoslav republics instead of the previous five. And that remained unchanged until the breakup of Yugoslavia. In 92, um, they went under again a very minimal change uh, with Yugoslavia breaking up instead of Yugoslovensko-Sportsko-Druzvo, the word futbolski club, football club were inserted and the crest remains as it is to this day.
0: Ever since 92? Yeah. Wow.
1: And so the fonts and the size has just changed slightly. Um, but the the crest they have today is the same since it's been 1958. So while the first crest we mentioned was very much kind of a stereotype of what you would imagine a Soviet emblem, mm-hmm. I would say that's true about the others as well. Except these would maybe they look more like they would be on a, a colonel's or admiral's lapel, yeah, with the um, the star very central, and it's it's almost like the one since 1958. The, the black and red to me it's almost like a um it is so stereotypical of kind of socialist design mm-hmm. propagandistic design i could see it on vodka labels i could see yeah. it on it just is it, it is that it has a that's very it is.
0: sharp vibe that the ones with colors don't have as much
1: now there is an unofficial crest of the club that's called the shovel the shovel yeah um and I wasn't, were you able, I was not able to see exactly what that is, but I think it takes from the stripes at the bottom of the crest.
0: That's, I think I read that as well.
1: And I think it's associated with the supporters nickname as the Gravediggers. Oh. Um,
0: um,
1: so that I think is something used by supporters, but also starts to be tied in with a little bit of that complicated ultra history. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so... I was surprised by the, the breadth, the scale of this club, um, the players that have gone through it. Oh, and I was going to mention, when you were talking, one of the best things about the Red Star Belgrade is that former Chicago Fire star, <laughs> Alexander Katai, plays for them. Um, <laughs> fire, fire, fire. <laughs> um, but when in looking at these, it made me think about this kind of socialist imagery because i think both of these are very clearly what you would imagine as propagandistic or communist design and on the one side there's a certain appeal to it uh, that's very simple very Mm -hmm. graphic yeah
0: graphic sharp flat
1: yeah like a lot of the principles of uh, early russian design was that in order to have a revolution, you have to have a revolution in visual culture as well. And there needs to be a kind of populist approach to design where it's easily readable by all members of society, quickly recognizable and accessible. And that's definitely viewed in these. But when I was thinking about that, I'm like, what else is this familiar to? Why does this else seem similar? It seems very similar to MLS crests.
0: Oh, well. So like the minimalism of modern crests and the simplicity yes. of old Soviet crests.
1: I would, I would argue, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> you know, the, yeah. And kind of the coldness as with, well. With they're partisan, very cold. with partisan. Yes. Yeah. It looks like an MLS crest.
1: You couldn't, I could see the red star as well. You could not.
0: No, uh, I could see a Texas
1: team <laughs> with, that logo.
0: with the one with the flag, the squishy <laughs> circle. Um. Uh, I think it's. I think the red stars is maybe too simple. Or I don't not too simple because it's like the most simplest thing ever, but um I don't know something about it doesn't feel MLS. Maybe it's because. I think I think it's because the partisan is a circle, and the red stars is a shield. No.
1: Oh, okay. Well, I think that. I was supr- I It was interesting to me because I think Beca- that because
0: the there p- are heraldry rules. <laughs> 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 How,
1: dare <laughs> How dare you? How dare you break the heraldry <laughs> like, rules? <laughs> the heraldry rules must be observed. <laughs> um,
0: you have a hater shield. <laughs>
1: I find it, I just find it interesting that the, the principles of really so, like communist propaganda dictated the development of a design style that you can't argue its influence i think it's very influential the pared down yeah. clean lines graphic paired with um contemporary crest design that is also pared down more for its easy adaptability to um, reproduction in different forms i mean think of the juventus uh crest we talked about last mm-hmm. week it's so pared down so simple but so most. And it also made me think of the art movement in Yugoslavia, where the a lot of the nationalist government-sponsored art was cold edge, minimal, abstract, because they wanted to present things that seemed grand, but that they could project any sort of mm. ideology or meaning upon. Um, and how dangerous that can be at times because it it becomes almost um, unmoored and baseless and can be used without any intention of a creator or of the audience that it's meant to serve. Instead, it's, it's used against them and it's blank. Um, and there's something very terrifying about symbols and images that represent a culture that are blank, mm. that are empty because... Yeah what's really behind there and so it, it's relation it's stepping back thinking about relation to contemporary crests in relation to uber capitalism I think there starts to be some overlap about that maybe I'm going too deep into it <laughs> this is an interesting <laughs> thesis <laughs> anyway what was your take on the Serbian Superliga and um, Red Star Belgrade any last thoughts
0: I hope they find their way, <laughs> I find
1: yeah, I think yeah. um, I think that's come through is that uh I think I hope that the 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 better voices find their way because I think ultra groups exist a lot of places in the world, yeah, I do think they outnumber a lot of other voices, and they are they're dangerous, you know it's mm-hmm. dangerous, um and we ha- often have an idealistic view of sport and competition, but it welcomes it welcomes instincts or behaviors that can be destructive if they're not checked. So, mm-hmm. oh, what a fun episode! Thank <laughs> you, Serbia. You're the best. <laughs> well, that's it. That's our. um Review of Serbian, quick overview of Serbian very quick, football and, very and two of the uh, clubs. Well, I thought you know it was interesting.
0: Oh, of course. I mean, surface, as in like, there's only so much you can do in an hour.
1: Oh, no, you'd have to dedicate yeah. an entire show to, to what's going on. But I, 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 it did reiterate my interest in this project because I did learn quite a bit and you still find a lot of connections, even with Uh um, a country and leagues that have gone through so much. There are still a lot of connections with the rest of the footballing world.
0: Yeah, and the history of football is so tied to the history of the world. Yeah. You can't separate anything.
1: And I couldn't help thinking a lot about Ukraine in this conversation Mm -hmm. and all of the Ukrainian clubs that are still trying to operate um, and, you know, the clubs that, were rated for other players um, mm-hmm. that are playing in other countries and how that's going to form and affect clearly the people, what we hope is still that country, um, but also the clubs and the, the fact that that is always going on and the troubled layers that kind of lay ahead for that. It's... it's yeah, <laughs> <laughs> We'll see what happens. We'll see what- yeah, But... We are moving on. Um, so next week, we will be talking about a new country. And it's one I'm, I don't know much about.
0: I've so actually had the pleasure of visiting. Oh, my country.
1: gosh. So I, we typed into our handy-dandy <laughs> random country generator to choose. And, Maria, where we'll we be exploring the football culture of next week.
0: Uh, we will be traveling to Ecuador, Justin. Oh,
1: I am so excited. And partially because their national team kits are Awesome. So well, I can only we can talk about that a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, Ecuador, we don't know much about it. So, we will have to um,
0: see you next see time. See you next
1: week. <laughs> so, I th- I'm looking forward to it. Me too. You're afraid to say that? I'm now, afraid. Aren't you? I, yeah, I'm like,
0: <laughs> this should be interesting <laughs> no matter what.
1: All right. So, uh, thank you for listening. Um, if you want to find out more about um, Maria and I's project, the Footy Museum, um, you can go to um and you can also find past episodes of this podcast there. And if you've made it this far, we really appreciate it. Thank okay. you very much. We'll see you next week.
0: Okay, wow. bye.